Amen. Man, don't we have some awesome moms at the Grace Place? Man, I hope you guys feel honored and celebrated today. And let me just tell you something. Grace Place family, we have a treat in store for us today. I'm so excited to get to introduce our guest speaker, um, Amber Benson. She is uh, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife. And we've actually known each other um, since we were about 12 or 13 years old. And so um, she's more like a sister than a sister-in-law to me. And her and Chad, Pastor a great thriving church in Burleson, LifeGate Church. They planted it a little over 15 years ago, I think. And man, God is doing so many things um, in them and through them. And we are so excited that they um, skipped their church this morning. It's in good hands with their staff and um, they were willing to come and be with us today. And so I just want to tell you, um, Amber is a mom of three, um, but she is also an executive pastor. Um, she's a speaker. She is a discipler, a mentor. Um, um, to ladies and girls. And man, she is just an incredible communicator. And I'm excited to hear the word that the Lord has given for us today. And so could we just give her a very warm TGP welcome as she comes. We love you, Amber. Yes. Thank you. Good morning, Grace Place. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited and so just pumped to be worshiping with you. What a beautiful time of worship just in this place. God, the presence of God is here. And I'm just so blessed, blessed to be here for Mother's Day, blessed to bring the the, the message, the opportunity to bring the message today in this room. I want to thank mom and dad. I know they're not here today, but also pastors Sean and Krista for giving me, for inviting me to this, to this day, to mother's day. I know it's kind of a, it's a big day for moms. And so I was like, I would, I would love to, but I'm supposed to speak at my church. Well, then dad calls and he's like, Hey, you're preaching at the grace place. So it's like, okay, dad. So anyways, I'm, I'm just excited to be here. And as I was preparing and getting ready for this message, I really felt like the word that I have today, it's going to be a great word for moms, but not just moms, but anybody in the room who just needs a change of pace. Is there anybody in this place that you're just like, I could use a change of pace, right? So raise your hand. I'm ready to slow down. I'm ready to rest, right? So this is the word that I'm going to bring today and I feel like, you know, everything that we have, everything that we need is right at our fingertips, right? It's right at the very tip of our fingertips. And we haven't, well, we haven't had to change the, the TV remote. We hadn't had, we haven't had to get up and change the channel on the TV for a very long time because we have a remote, right? But you know what? We can do everything on our phones now, right? We don't have to get up out of our favorite comfortable chair to go and open the garage for somebody that's coming into town. We don't even have to unlock the door. We don't have to get up and do that. We could just do it on our phones. And so we have everything that we need. And you would think, well, you know what? Because I don't have to move very much, I can rest. I've got everything that I need in my hands. I can order my groceries from my phone. I don't have to go to the store anymore. I can order my favorite dress or my favorite chocolates or my favorite whatever, have it delivered to my front door the very next day. Uh, I don't have to go anywhere, right? We could stay where we want at every moment of every day because everything, it's just in reach. All we have to do is pick up our phone, right? All we have to do is just open our computer. As a matter of fact, a few months ago, one of our TVs in our conference room, we couldn't find the remote anywhere. 
And we're like getting ready for staff meeting. And our children's pastor, Cassie, she's like, oh, it's okay, I got this. She opens up her phone and she downloads the Roku TV remote onto her phone, turns on the TV, adjusts the, the, um, the volume, turns on the video. And it's like, all right, we're good to go. We didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to go buy another remote. We didn't have to scatter and try and find the remote. We didn't have to do a single thing. It was all right there, right? We don't have to go very far to find what we need. We don't have to get up out of our favorite lazy chair. We don't have to get up out of our bed, which is one of my favorite places to be. (laughs) But you know what? This stuff that is right here in front of us, progress and technology makes life so easy right? It makes it so easy. You would think we would be able to rest, but progress seems to be going at such a fast pace. Technology seems to become coming so fast at us and it's faster and it's busier and it's, there's more than ever before. And because of that, we're like, Oh yeah, I want that. Oh yeah. I want that. I'll take that and that and that, and I'll take this and I'll add this to my phone or I'll do everything from my phone. I'll, I'll pay my bills from my phone. I don't have to write a check anymore. I don't have to have cash anymore. Everything is on our phones. Oh, you need $10? I'll just cash up you that, right? We don't have to do very much, but because technology is so easy and so within our grasp, we're like, oh, I want it. And then when we begin to want it, The more we want it, the more we're like, oh, but I don't just want it. I need it. I need it to make life easier. I need it to be able to rest. We have it. Everything's better and faster and easier. But you know what? It's like we could take a little drink of water from a cup, but with progress and technology these days, it's like a fire hydrant, a fire hose busting us in the face all the time with all the newest and the best, right? It's always there. And because our our wants turn into needs, we need it to stay in step with culture. We need it to stay up to speed on things. We need it in order just to stay ahead of the competition. Who might be my sister? Who might be my brother? Who might be my best friend? And you know what? This creates a problem. When our needs turn into wants, turn into give it to me all the time, our pace are working nonstop because we have everything at our fingertips because we have to stay ahead of the competition. And because of all of this, because of what we have right in front of us, because of our culture is pushing us and saying, do more, expect more, strive more, go for more. We're tired. We're burned out, man. We are stressed out. Robert Morris said in one of his books, he said, self-improvement and self-advancement through the Individual effort has resulted in tens of millions living burned out, stressed out lives. We're never off. We're never unplugged. We're never quiet. We're never not bombarded by tasks, information, and obligations. But get this. It's not just the adults who are living that kind of life. Now we've brought our kids and our teens into this kind of life. And they're being sucked in by culture's obsession with busyness. An extremely high number of teens and preteens, they're overscheduled, they're overcommitted, and they're underrested. Therefore, they are showing signs of stress and burnout. So it's not just us, but it's our kids too. There was a study that was done, and that's lots of studies on stress, right? But one researcher, one researcher, Joe Robinson, he said, stress is a factor in five out of six leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, lower respiratory disease, and accidents. 
an estimated 75 to 90% of all doctors, all doctors' visits are related, are stress-related issues. But still, nothing tells us to slow down. Nothing makes us slow down. And here's the scary part. The enemy of our soul, he knows how to distract us. He knows how to divide us. He knows what gets us going, what gets us excited, what gets us like excited just to, just to have something new. He knows how to distract us, and he wants us to be distracted from the one who is our center, the one who can give us rest. The latest and the greatest technology, equipment, parties, saying yes to every invite, it's available to everyone every waking hour. So when we utilize and over-prioritize our needs with the latest and the greatest, we pull ourselves away from the one who just wants to spend time with us, who just wants to give us rest. Now, I don't say these things like to make you feel bad. I say these things because at the end of last year, man, I was, I was sinking. I was tired and I was like, overwhelmed. And I was like, Lord, what's going on with me? I know I got another senior and I know it's going to be a busy year coming up, but what's going on? I was so exhausted. And I decided I knew, I knew what I was longing for. I was longing for some rest. I was longing to be still. So Chad and I got away for a week and I read the book by Robert Morris. It's called Take the Day Off. Now I had never read a growth book in more than eight days less than eight days. I read that growth book in eight days. Now give me a good fiction book. I'm going to read that all day long in like three days, right? Can I, yeah, I know, I know you're out there. Okay. But I began reading this book and I realized how much I wanted to put the principles that were in this book into action in my life. I began to realize that I am hungry for what's in this book. I'm hungry for the principles that are stated in this book. I'm ready to slow down. I was hungry for the spiritual and the biblical attributes that came from walking rest out faithfully. I began realizing this wasn't the first time that I had read a book on rest, that I had read a book on being still, that I had read a book about replenishing my soul. I had looked back on in my, in my office and I had noticed I had four books that I had read in the last two years that had to deal with this area of my life. So I was searching for something. And then I found two more books that I hadn't read yet that talked about rest that talked about slowing down. Now, two years ago, I, I created this space out on our back porch. I, it was a mess out there. It was just a disaster. We had a bunch of junk and dirt and a bunch of nothing. It's a tiny little porch, you know, and I always thought, well, I can't do anything with that area. It's just pitiful, right? You have any pitiful places in your house? You're like, I can't do anything with that. Well, I decided two years ago, I was like, I'm going to clean this up. Now, it still has the ugly grill out there that's all rusted over and stuff, and I'm too embarrassed to take it to the curb because they're going to be like, oh, oh, this is bad. Anyways, it is fabulous now. It's fabulous because I cleaned it up. I put some furniture out there. I put a swing out there. I put my plants out there. And if you're a plant person, you know what I'm talking about and what plants do for you, right? Yes, they're wonderful. I put my plants out there, and then I started bringing my plants inside, and Chad's like, put them back outside. Lots of, lots of porch time, but I went into that mentality of slow down, be still, 
But two years later, I'm, I'm just knocking at the door, trying to knock things over, trying to strive for what I believed I needed, trying to strive, what I, strive for what I believed the church needed or what my kids needed or what somebody else expected of me. And I was hitting every deadline and I was pushing myself hard just because I thought I was supposed to when really all my soul really needed was some rest. So when I got into that space, though, when I got outside, I, I didn't care about much, right? Do y'all remember just having time where you could just be still and you didn't have to do very much? Well, I got out into that space. I didn't worry about what I needed to do when I got inside. I didn't worry about what was for dinner. Actually, I don't worry about what's for dinner because Chad's making it most of the time. But I didn't care. It was just like, let's slow down. Let's all sit on the porch. Let's get some vitamin D, right? We had a place to rest. But coming out of that place, we've got to make sure that we're rushing not back into what culture expects for us to do, but back into the arms of Jesus, back into that place of rest where our soul can be tended to. I don't, I don't want to be and strive for what the culture wants me to be. Without rest, without a day of being still, without a day of being with Jesus, we get overwhelmed. Now, God calls us to live opposite of what, the, of what the culture says. He doesn't call us to live an overwhelmed life. He calls us to live intentionally, and he calls us to fall in step with him. We, we need to fall in step with him. I want to be motivated by him and not motivated or controlled by the culture. Now, today, you might be saying, man, I would love to. I would love to fall in step with Jesus. I would love to have intentionality with what my, what my world looks like and, and what my day looks like. We, let's look at the, the life of Jesus. I can't imagine, I guess, I, I guarantee you can't either, imagine Jesus rushing around from one event, one event to the next, trying to figure out how he's going to fit everything in the day. No, Jesus, his peace overflowed into those around him. That's how God created us to live. It's easy maybe to say even, well, Jesus didn't live in a day of technology. If he had all these things at his fingertips that we thought made life easier, that just really made it chaotic, then maybe he would be, no, the pattern of his life, the principles that he practiced are good for any day, any day and age. So I truly want to model what God's intentions, what God's rest looks like for me. So we're going to start in Mark 4. 35 through 40 in the scripture. And before we read this, this is what it's, I just want to do a little setup for it. Jesus had started teaching by the lake and the crowd grew so large that Jesus had to get in a boat and preach from the boat out on the water. So this is what it says in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I love this scripture passage, and here's why. There was work to be done still, and Jesus could have done the work. There were lessons to be taught, and Jesus can teach some lessons. There were needs that needed immediate attention, and Jesus knew how to meet needs. But Jesus also needed to rest. He knew that he needed to slow down. He knew he needed to sleep. And if Jesus needed to stop and if he needed to rest in the midst of chaotic moments, 
How much more do we need to rest? How much more do we need to change our pace and learn to fall in step with him? Your questions may be, okay, that's great, but how and when do I do it? Well, let's look at Jesus' life and ask this question. When did Jesus do it? When did Jesus rest? Number one, he rested when he needed to get ready for something big. In Luke 4, 1 through 2, and then 14 through 15, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. In verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogue, and everyone praised him. Now, after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days out in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit. During this 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. He used scripture to battle the devil. But after the 40 days, he began his earthly public ministry. He began the spark that would spread the spiritual fire of Christianity. He needed time to rest because he needed to do something big. That's when he rested, when he needed it to do something big. How do we prepare for something big? You know what? Our schedule might say, I don't got time to rest. The culture might say, no, you need to dig in. You need to look down, eyes down, head down, blasting forward. It doesn't matter who you run over in, in the meanwhile. Get after it and get going, right? Yeah. But Jesus rested. What did he do? He pulled away and he rested. When else did he, when else did he do it? When he needed to step away from something heavy. In Matthew 14, 1 through 13, this is what it says. At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. He was risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work within him. Now, Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On, her, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on the platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and they told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When does Jesus rest? When he needs to get away from something heavy. When he needs to process something heavy. When he needed to grieve. He needed a moment to be alone. He needed a moment to be with his father. This life is full of loss and grief. And though there are times that we experience such great swells of joy... In this life, we also experience that same level of sorrow, of loss. No sorrow is deeper than loss, than the sorrow of loss. Maybe something has taken you by surprise and you feel extremely heavy. Go rest. It's okay to grieve the loss of a life. It's okay to grieve that friendship that has ended. It's okay to grieve that dream that didn't pan out. Grieve it. Rest in that time. Go away. Be by yourself. Pull away from the hustle. Pull away from the demand to be on and needed by everyone. Accept some loneliness. Loneliness is normal, but it's important not to be isolated and not to stay isolated. Jesus didn't stay gone long. After rest and time with the Lord, after you grieve, you need to be back in good company. 
You need to be back with your church family. You need to be back with somebody that can lift you up, that can encourage you, that can speak life into you. During that time, be gentle with yourself. Get extra sleep, get extra, extra rest, embrace all the emotions. Lisa Turkhurst in her book, um, Unglued said, God gave us emotions to experience life, but not destroy it. Experience your emotions. God gave them to, gave them to us for a reason. So when did Jesus rest? When he was getting ready for something big, when he needed to step away from something heavy and when he needed to make an important decision. In Luke 6, 12 through 13, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Jesus spent the the night alone praying. He spent the night alone being in the presence of his father and praying and asking for direction and asking for discernment. Making decisions is a big part of the natural rhythms of life. We are making decisions every single day. Every day we make a decision, whether we think we are or not. And sometimes the bigger the decision, the longer the time. That may take a long time. It may even be more spaced out. Maybe a career path or planning for a baby. Unless you don't plan for a baby and you have a graduate graduating from high school and one from kindergarten, but that's fine. So whether we choose an option or not, we're still making a decision, right? We're still making a decision. And that's what makes decision making so hard. Have you ever agonized over something? Go rest. Go be with Jesus. Have some time away. Something happens in the rest time when there's quiet. When we regularly, even systematically schedule time to rest. Put it in your planner if you're a planner. Write it in there. I'm going to rest today. Have you ever been bored? Maybe in your most bored moment, you're the most creative. When you can be bored, when you can be thinking about nothing, you can be creative. God gives us this. He helps us with decisions when we, when we rest, when we step out for a little while, out of the chaos, out of the times of making decisions and we just go rest. So when did Jesus do it? He did it when he was getting ready for something big, when he needed to step away from something heavy, when he needed to make an important decision and when he needed to be with his father. Luke 5, 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is what Jesus did during his ministry. And I think it's important that we follow his example and change pace. I think we need to follow. We need to set boundaries. We need to make decisions that help us spend time with the Father. Rest is mentioned in the Bible 257 times. And with that many instances, I believe that it's pretty evident God wants us to be intentional with our rest. And not be busy striving in this life. So what does your pace look like? Maybe you're saying, I would love to rest. I'm convinced I need to have a Sabbath. I'm convinced I need to have a day set aside where I'm only with the Lord. How do I do it? And how do I, how do I do it in this world and with our culture? Well, we're going to do it when Jesus, at the same time as Jesus did it. When there's something big, when there's something heavy, when we need to make an important decision, when we need to be with our Father. But also... How do I do it when we are spending time with the Father? Your question may be, what do I do? We're going to shift our minds toward God. In Psalms 100, 1 through 5, it says, Shout for the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. And, he, and, we, 
and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, when you have a six-year-old who wants to play Tickle Monster with you all the time, or Legos, or who just wants to be in the same room with you, when your schedule is full from getting one, one family member and the other family member from one event to the next event, when you have a two-year-old that can hear your feet touch the floor in the morning, you're like, where do I fit five minutes in? How do I just get five minutes? But we can shift our minds to God every minute of every day. We can delight in his presence. We can delight that he is with us. We can think on the tasks that are before us as a gift and not a burden. And it's a worship to him. As we shift our minds to him, we begin to rest. Have you ever tried to think about nothing? I think it's absolutely next to impossible to think about nothing. If you don't have one thought in your head, you have 50,000 other thoughts. I feel maybe there's some husbands leaning over to their wives right now saying, I don't know what she's talking about. I can think about nothing. But maybe you're even in this place on a Sunday morning and you're like, all right, Lord, I'm all in. I'm ready to worship. My mind is shifted towards you. Oh man, look at that cute couple up there. They're so cute. Oh, look how that teenager is worshiping. That's cool. Oh man, doesn't she know that you're not supposed to wear white until after Labor Day? Maybe I need another cup of coffee because this speaker is putting me to sleep. Your mind is going every other way, but God is saying, shift your mind towards me. Lean into me. That's when we find rest. That's when we find rest. So we find rest when we shift our minds to God. Number two, when we speak our thoughts to God. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is something big that you're walking through right now? What decisions do you have to make? What are you grieving? Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. I remember having lunch with a friend. This was about 12 years ago. We were in her house. I remember exactly where we were sitting. And she asked me about prayer. And she said, Amber, how do you pray? And I said, I pray all the time. I pray all the time. during. I, yes, I have my set aside time where I'm just going to be complete with the Lord. But throughout the day, I'm talking to him all the time. And she said, I think that's weird. I think that's awkward. She said, I can't do it. And it made me sad because I thought, God desires a conversation with you. God desires to have communion with you, to have communication. And whenever you think it's awkward or weird to pray in your own home, you're missing you're missing relationship with him. And so we can shift our minds to God, but we can also speak our thoughts to him and we can begin to rest because how many of you know, whenever you process something and whenever you even say something out loud, man, it takes some of that stress off your shoulders, takes some of that burden off your heart to be able to say something out loud. And you know what? I, I pray to God out loud in my house sometimes. And sometimes I remember one time my kids were in the car. I was even, you know, praying in the spirit and the girls were like, mom, what are you saying? What's that, what does that mean? And I'm like, I'll explain later. I'm praying. But we can have conversation all the time. And maybe you're in this place and you're like, I don't know how to do that yet. But I challenge you. Have conversation with God. Speak your thoughts to him. We can find rest when we begin to speak our thoughts to him. Prayer is not just like talking to anyone. You don't have to be at church to pray. 
You don't have to wait to pray until someone is praying over you. Yes, there is power in corporate prayer, and I believe in it. But you can also do it at home. You can have conversation with God at any place you are. Talk to him about what's heavy. Talk to him about what concerns you. Talk to him about what you're thankful for. You have been given all authority in heaven to approach the Lord of Lords. And your prayers are effective and powerful. Just talk to him. Begin to have rest as you have conversation with God. So we're going to shift our minds to God. We're going to speak our thoughts to him. And then we're going to stop letting other voices in. Psalms 32, uh, Psalm 62 one says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Now we know, and we've already talked about the voices from the outside, that maybe the culture gets too much say over our schedules. Culture and society have too much to say over our time, too much to say over our scrolling time. And as much as a schedule thing, it's also a voice that we let in. When we're on our phone, those voices are coming in. A voice that is mostly in opposition to the voice of God. And it's not uncommon for a believer even to walk around in a tense, in a tense, um, overbearing, even stressed out way because of how much we're connected to our phones. Are you hungry for soul rest? It comes from the Father. What day during the week could you set aside to find Sabbath? What day can you set aside to do nothing and maybe even get a little bored? What day can you set aside to do the things that you delight in? If we focus in on the Father and stop letting other voices in, we can find full rest that our soul craves. We you close your eyes with me today? Maybe you're in this place and you would say, I don't even know what kind of rest you're talking about. I don't even know what kind of rest you mean because I don't know this Jesus very well. I don't have deep relationship with him. I don't have relationship with him at all. Or I once had relationship, but I have walked away from him. Maybe you're in this place and you're like, I need his rest. I need his peace. I need his grace to cover me 